and welcome to Yogmoth Soap Opera, episode 27. We are hosted by PureMTGO.com and sponsored by MTGOTraders.com. Your hosts for today are myself, George Epolis, and the other guy, Zach Witten. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yo. So, uh, this week, um, it's the first week without Andy, sad face. But we've got an event to go over and uh, some metagame wrap ups. Do you wanna you wanna go over the first place list or the four O list from the uh, event sec? Sure. Yeah. Um, in first place, we have a uh, an outlier deck we haven't seen. I don't. I haven't. I can't even remember the last time we saw a good white green fish. Maybe it was. Uh, who was that? Who used to play that? Um, I'm almost positive that Blazelix is probably the last person to play with it. That's who it was. So, that's what came in first. It was a white green Haterade brew. And it was posted by a guy we talked about recently, a, a newer guy to the classic scene, and he's doing pretty well for himself. Nice guy. Uh, Animosity, MOTL. Yeah, and, I uh, think he's uh, played in two events, and uh, the other event that he played in, he 3 won with a dredge deck. Yeah, he's a pretty solid player. He's been doing really well for himself. So uh, we like to uh, encourage everybody to give it a shot. I mean, this guy's really been doing well for himself, and this is not a deck that you see every week. This is definitely his uh, his doing. We've played a lot, and uh, I don't want to brag, but I think I'm the reason he put those Caracas in there because Emrakul kept tearing him up, and he needed a uh, response for it. So that, coupled with his legends, it, it made it pretty profitable to run. He's running the uh, Gaddock Teague. And uh, Kataki Wars Rage main deck. Yeah, um, this deck list, this deck list looks so super uh, familiar to me from the Penguin TV I did about a deck like it about two months, three months ago, and it can be pretty powerful. Yeah, it's definitely a cool looking list. I, I, I play against it a lot, and you know, it's really funny how similar that deck list plays out to a stack list. It has. Uh, some really strange acceleration like you don't often see Elvis Spirit Guides two of them flying off into nowhere and he drops down an Avon Mind Sensor as you're cracking a fetch land it has some pretty devastating plays I'll uh, turn one yeah and then uh, you know stuff like Leonin Arbiter and uh, Ether Sworn Canonist and especially the Glow Riders are they really play like stacks I mean it stops you from your game plan and yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and you know what's really super interesting? Hmm. Plans. This deck costs under three hundred dollars to build. Yeah, that's very very true. So this is a budget it actually, list. It might actually be cheaper than Dredge. It might be. I know the Bridge from Belows and the Icarids have gone up. But uh, it's it's nice to see something uh, new hit the four zero, especially something cheap and new. This this is like a great little say hello to all the people who think that classic is all nine hundred dollar decks. Exactly. Yeah, this is definitely a uh, a solid list. And uh, congratulations to uh, Animosity. I'm sure I'll see him in client. I'll, I've already mentioned to him that it was nice to see him four zero. So uh, we'll see uh, if he brings this back next week or if he's going to give us a new. Uh, a new sample of something else. So, you want yeah, to take the uh, next deck there? Yeah, let's see. What do we got up next? We have Large Brandon. All right. So, this list is Jace Raider. I guess it's kind of a Jace Raider deck, but 
is really a classic Stone Forge Mystic deck. I consider this a fish deck. Yeah. And my God, it's probably terrible. Maybe he just like got people. I th I actually think it's pretty good. We talked about this last week in the uh, with the pre with the pre slash league decks. I just love the uh, what what this deck is accomplishing. Attacking with Batter Skull and Classic just makes me giddy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we've got the uh, Blood Gas and Stone Forge Mystic with Skull Clamp interaction too, which is really nice. Yeah. A couple of Swords of Plowshares. And then, uh, I mean, his sideboard has stuff for the field, mostly stacks and oath. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like it. Yeah, it's a solid deck, and it has good targets for the tutors. There's a lot of singletons in there. Um, the only thing that I'll say, I've said it over and over again, is I wonder about the Sword of War and Peace, because a lot of decks, you know, they're... That's not as devastating as, for instance, like a, a sort of Feast and Famine would be. And I, I, I just think in a classic field, damage and life gain does not equal, you know, extra damage plus discard plus untap. I, I just think it's solid, and I would like to see, hear his reason for that. I haven't gotten to talk to him about it yet, but everything else looks really cool. Well, I will say with the Sword of War and Peace, it probably doesn't come up as much as it used to come up in Standard, but being able to attack them and then redirect the war damage at their Planeswalker is pretty good. And this deck is running Dark Confidants with no deck manipulation outside of Jace, so gaining the life might be nice. Yeah, I, I can hear you there. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, we saw we we looked at it last week. I think it might be the same deck as last week, and I still love it. Yeah, it's definitely uh, cool. Congratulations for, you know, getting Stoneforge Mystic placed in Classic Large Brandon. Yeah, good job. So, uh, next up we have a guy who's always in the, the top of the field there. It's like Scorpio. And he's running, uh, like a black-white fish build, I guess? And this is, it's kind of a, an interesting choice because it's definitely a deck that plays a lot of cards that people have played before, but they're usually coming out of the sideboard. And he plays these guys like two two bears, and they all do so much against the field. Uh, he's got a singleton Kataki, a sing singleton Canonist, because those are really, you know, narrow in their effects, and they can be fetched by all his tutors. And he's running four ofs of Dark Confidant, Leonine Relic Warder, Tide Hollow Sculler, which I think is a great card. I love that card. And it's, uh, it's good. And Yixla Jailer. So he's the also running a quad laser set of Encroach. Yeah, I, I've never been a huge fan of Encroach, but I guess he really likes it. You know, getting if you go on the play and you get that bizarre Baghdad or that Mishra's uh, workshop, that's a big deal. Well, even even getting it on the draw, like against a control deck, um, it's it's almost like Wastelands five through eight that they can't protect against. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it either, but he did go three uh, three one with it. Definitely, definitely. He has. He, you got to think too. He has. He has really tight play skill, in my opinion. So that might be part um, of it too. Another interesting thing is this is another fish deck without blue or Tarmogoyf. This is probably a very affordable deck as well. Yeah. Well, is he running Vindicate? He is not running Vindicate. Well, yeah, I guess it is affordable then. I mean, Dark Confidant is a little pricey, but he's nowhere near the uh, area of. 
Yeah, Dark Confidant and Wasteland look like the big pieces in this build. Um, yeah, I would I would guess at a guess that this deck is somewhere in between like two fifty and three fifty. Hmm. I like the balance on the sideboard. You know my unhealthy love for that card. I like balance too. I mean, look at this event. There were four fish decks in this event. Yeah, I gotta admit, one of the cards that was played against me that we never see because we don't really see green uh, outside of Oath is uh, Thrun the Last Troll was really hard <laughs> for me to deal with when I was running any blue builds. I mean, that card is so good. Oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I said the exact same thing when we previewed it, and you called me a pipe dreamer. And then I played against it. Yeah, so who's who's awesome? <laughs> Hey, you know what? If you throw enough rocks in the ocean, you'll hit it eventually. But I, I agree I with you. I was going to say Thrun is awesome, but all right. I agree with you, though. Yep. It's, a, it's a good card. I mean, what what does blue do besides Oath of Druids? It can't really do anything. Yeah. Uh, Oath of Druids or maybe, like, I don't know, stall tactics of some sort. No, I don't think there is any commonly played stall tactics. I think you either lose to Thrun the Last Troll or you or you win in spite of it with Oath of Druids or Timeball. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really think you can do much else. Maybe Blightsteel, but I would consider that winning in spite of it. Yeah, the inability to be countered is really good. Alright, anyway. so uh we'll go over to Fist Alpha, who is running a no metal worker workshop deck. Um, we've got 20 lands, no ghost quarters. We've got, uh, lodestones, we've got null rods, which is pretty nifty, uh, spears, thorns, trinity spear, we've got all 13, uh, what's it called? Also have Slash Panther, Zach. Yeah. Slash Panther. You made it. You made the money. I know you're not a big fan, but... Not a fan. Oh, and, and look at the sideboard. We've got four Dismember in the sideboard. That's kind of cool. Um, so what are we what are we bringing Dismember in for? Uh, fish? I suppose, but I feel like the Quasali Pride Mage is going to get you anyway. Oh, no way, bro. Like, think about it. Think about the decks that we've gone over so far. Animosity, MOTL, and Excorpio. You tell me you don't want Dismember for Katakis? I suppose you do. Uh, yeah, and uh, it does cost a lot of life, though. This deck is a very suicide-y workshop deck with three Metamorphs, three Panthers, and then the four Dismembers in the sideboard, as well as the Ancient Tombs. Yeah. Yeah, um, we've got worm coil engines and precursor golems as cleanup for the aggro. He's very, very aggro heavy. And then, in spite of the null rods, he's running mana crypt, mana vault, soul ring. Yeah, that's pretty ballsy running uh, crypt and uh, vault with that kind of a build. I guess with the speed of the creatures and the fact that having four mana on turn one is better than three, makes it worth the risk. I could see that. It, 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 the sideboard looks really good to me. I like the uh, ensnaring bridges. Um, I, I, I think it's a good board. I mean, he has two ravenous traps. I guess the two ravenous traps and the two relics and the two crypts equal enough. I, we usually say seven, right? 
Yeah, we've got two, four, six. Yeah, there's seven. What's as well seven? as as well as dismembering your own guy to get rid of their bridges. Yeah. Um. The only thing that I don't like is that it doesn't look like it has very much going on against Oath. But I guess that's all right since the metagame is shifting away from Oath. Is it? I feel like it is. Over the last couple of weeks, um, Oath has been putting up a lot less numbers, and there have been more fish and shops in the meta. Interesting. So it's kind of shops versus fish right now, you think? Uh, at the moment, yeah. Very cool, very cool. So the next guy we have is um, NCSU31SB, and he was playing an aggro build as well, or uh, excuse me, a shop build as well. And this one doesn't look like it had steel or whatever the panther is, slash panther. Um, this one has the metal workers and the, uh, the, where is it? Does he have it? The staff? He does God, not God, why? I don't understand. I don't understand why nobody will run the staff. Anyway, he has... Staff, staff has got to be better than one steel hellkite. It, it has to. Something. Anyway, uh... Um, I love the Sundering Titan, though. Sundering Titan's pretty pretty brutal. Um, so he has a Battle Sphere in there, which is kind of interesting. We don't see many of those run main deck, do we? No, and the one thing that I do not like about the list, even though it's pretty awesome with the one-ofs, is that it's not very consistent looking in a deck with no tutoring or card draw. It's really weird that he wouldn't run a Staff of Domination, but he'll run both a Battle Sphere and a Singleton Razor Point Main Master Core and a Singleton Sundering Titan. But no Staff to just win. Um, if you're listening, NCSU31SB, first, I, <laughs> I have so much trouble pronouncing your name correctly. And second, do you have a reason why you didn't run it? Uh, I guess let us know in the forums if you listen. Yeah, and, and this guy, it's, it's, it's worth noting, this guy's a really solid player. I think he was just in the uh, finals in uh, MMOG's pre-league, wasn't he? He was, and I watched the finals. Uh, I tried to record it. Unfortunately, the file was lost to the ether as soon as I tried to hit save. It just corrupted and deleted itself. Uh, um, no but yeah, it was, it was a drag-out fistfight, shop-on-shop violence. One was Null Rod and one was not. And which one won? Uh, no rod. No rod. All right. Well, very cool. This guy is a solid player, and if you're listening, uh, great question. Love to hear your answer on it. It's always get, great getting feedback from the pilots of these decks. Um, sideboard looks relatively... Uh, sideboard looks a little bit stronger against uh, the Oath builds with the Leyline of Sanctity in there. Um yeah, I don't know. It, it looks like a good deck, and this guy's a good player, so there's not a ton that I'd question about it, but yeah. Alright, so, and that'll bring us to the Wild Dog, who, uh, clanmate, and he is consistently doing well in these events. He, uh, he 3-1'd with Dredge, and it's a new poor Dredge list with Gitaxian Probes and Noxious Revivals. Yep. Uh, there's no heavy draw cards in here. So, I guess technically he would be under the Manalus moniker. Yeah. 
I, this this build exactly like you're talking about. It looks like it uses that tech that uh, Backgoods was talking about in our forums a while back with the Noxious Revival slash Cataxium Probe and uh, Cabal Therapy. And <coughs> looks like uh, TWD took this to pretty good results here. The one thing for me that I kind of question a little bit is why no Fate Stitcher? Because every time I play against this deck and it runs Bizarre Baghdad and they have Fate Stitcher, I mean, that card is a house. It's uncounterable. It's just, it's amazing. Um, well, that's a good question. What would you take out for the Fate Stitcher, though? I, serum Powder, maybe? I, I, I don't know. I guess you need that for the Bizarres, but... Um, I mean, maybe... Maybe one Chain of Vapor or one Cabal Therapy? Well, you know, I'd probably take out all three Nature's Claims and some, or maybe at least that, and replace it with three Fate Stitcher. Fate Stitcher's so good. Oh, you would, you would play more than one Fate Stitcher. Yeah, it's, it's, no, 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 that's what I'm saying. I would take out all three Nature's Claims and throw in three Fate Stitchers. Um, one of the things I like about the dredge decks is uh, Firestorm in the sideboard, and I don't see it, which makes me a sad panda. Yeah, his sideboard looks okay. I mean, it has uh, Iona, it has... Uh, I don't really know if Ingature is really the right play. I'd, I'd rather have another Ancient Grudge or something. Um, Wispmare's really good against the Ley Lines. I mean, the... Uh, the alternative cost is really hot. Also, Oath the Druids. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and Wismere turns on uh, Bridge for Below, because it hits, the, it hits play and then goes to the graveyard. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was kind of like the top money finishers in this event, and uh, I think we have a deck roundup on this one. George, you want to take us through it? Yeah, we've got uh, three workshop decks, and two of them made the money. Uh, two good game oaths, none of them, none of them made it there. The Stoneforge Mystic slash Jace Raider list by Large Brandon. Um, one four sea fish, a green white hate, which won, uh, black white fish, which also plays. So we got three out of the four fish decks in the money. Um, Gush Control, Tesserator, a Dredge, LED Storm, Hermit Druid, Mono Green Infect, and Red Deck Winds. Very cool, very cool. And uh, I played against the Mono Green Infect deck. He poisoned me out on turn two. It was it was disappointing for me. Ouch. Yeah, I, I set up a turn one Hermit Druid, and he set up a turn two poison you out. He was on the play. Wow. Seems solid. It was, it was all right. I, unfortunately, was the only person he lost to. Or that he beat. I'm Ooh. sorry. Rough so, beat. he beat me and still didn't make the money. That's no bueno, man. Nope. Um, so, interesting bit of news is that for the first time in at least nine years, or however many years Legacy has been a champs format at uh, Gen Con, for the first time they are getting one of those oversized alternate art cards. And it is Force of Will. We also have the ninth and final Power 9 card for the Vintage Champs. <coughs> Um, so, being a wild speculator, I feel like they're getting ready to reprint Force of Will and the Power 9 online. That would be sweet. 
I don't know if that will happen, but if it does, I will be super happy. Possibly also um, reprinting Force of Will in paper. That would be epic. Not on the reserve list. Yeah, that would be pretty epic. Um, That's up to like 80 bucks offline, right? I think it's approaching 100 now. Wow. Um, But yeah, and I'm pretty sure that the majority of people would like Force of Will reprinted as opposed to not reprinted. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Sure, your collection takes a little bit of a hit, but everything else grows and rises once people can buy into the format. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree with that portion of your theory there. Um, I don't like the art on the Force of Will. I'm not a huge fan of it. I think the Time Walk art is uh, extraordinary. It looks unbelievable. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope it means something bigger in the grand scheme and it's not just, oh, this is what we're doing for this event. Uh, but I guess we'll see going forward, right? Yeah, I mean, we've never had the opportunity of having all nine cards uh, with their alternate art released before. And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just a hopeless romantic, but I see no reason for them to do Force of Will this year instead of doing it next year for Vintage, unless they were planning on releasing uh, the cards. Yeah, and I don't remember where I saw this, but it wasn't my idea. Also, somebody said maybe this was uh, an easy way for Wizards to phase out Vintage altogether by showing everybody that next year it's going to be Legacy instead of Vintage. Uh, uh, I saw that post too, and I honestly do not believe that Wizards of the Coast will just stop holding uh, vintage championships at Gen Con. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can see your point. It's not like it's uh, going to lose them any money or anything like that. Um, it, it actually, it probably actually would lose them money if they got rid of that, because I'm sure that there are. I want to say at least like two to three dozen people who go to Gen Con exclusively for vintage champs. Yeah. I mean, the guy the guy from Japan who won two or three years ago, he flew to America and bought the Gen Con badge with the sole purpose of playing in the Japanese or in the uh, vintage champs. That's sweet. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely cool. I'm 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 kind of interested to see. Uh how, what they do with that? I mean, if if your inkling of a suspicion is correct, or you know, like we're saying, if there's just no correlation whatsoever. I mean, it's perfectly it's perfectly reasonable to assume that nothing will happen from this. But I don't know. I am a conspiracist. Yeah, well, another thing about you that I love is when you put charts in our articles. And it looks like this week you got some charts for us. Do you want to take us through some? I do have some charts. Um, So the first chart would be the first uh, quarter in the year where Classic was alive and well and we were firing like two events every week. So there was uh, an astonishing amount of workshop decks at almost twice the field was a workshop compared to the next best deck, which was Oath of Druids. Um, And Dredge followed up with Fish and Jace builds, uh, bringing up the rear of the main actual metagame. And there were some other decks getting tried out, uh, like Dark Times was able to place, and uh, Classic Storm Madness. There There were a few decks that were still being 
tried while the format was brand new with the introduction of Med 4. Um, fast forward to the second uh, quarter, which isn't technically the whole quarter. It's six events that happened before the Great Lull in Classic. Um, in this one, we had Oath of Druids at the top of the pile with almost 30%, followed by Fish at 25, Storm at 14, and then Workshop decks in fourth place at 14%, right behind, uh, or tied with Storm. Um, and the outliers were Rogue decks and Dredge decks, and actually, I suppose if you combine stacks and shop aggro together, they were in third place above Storm at about 21%. And then uh, you bring it to the most current chart, which is the last four events that have fired, which I think is enough where we can actually try to start to see a metagame, even if it's a slow uh, metagame over the last six weeks. Yeah. But we've got Fish in the front, followed by shop decks right behind it. They look like they're, they're tied. tied. They're tied. And uh, we see Oath of Druids way down in fifth place, being usurped by Rogue and Storm decks. Yeah, Oath's actually tied with Storm and Dredge. And uh, it looks like all three of those... That's really interesting that Oath would be at the level where it's the exact same... Frequency as uh, Storm and Dredge decks. So, interesting, interesting, interesting. This is only four events, but I believe it's about 20 places. Cap yeah. Agro at the top is kind of funny. Yeah, absolutely. So then, like, fast forward here to your last chart, and it's what, all, all the events together? It's every event that's fired since January 1st. So... And the clear winner is Workshop Decks. If you add stacks and shop aggro together, you get a 28% uh, placing rate, as opposed to the next best deck, which is 18. Yeah, it's kind of interesting looking at this chart, like the difference it makes with the timing of when these events were, because Oath today is under 10%, and here it's the second biggest slice of the pie, just because... More events fired at the beginning when Oath was popular. Yeah, I mean, we've got we've got 33 events that fired where Oath was either in first or second place. Yep, absolutely. And now it's either being hated out of the metagame or people just aren't playing it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see uh, what's going on here. And Look at that, Jacerator's ahead of Storm overall, cool. <laughs> um, I'd be interested to know... What exactly constitutes rogue? If there's more than one rogue deck in that category, or if it's like you know twelve different decks that are all rogue decks? Yeah, that be that that is you know kind of, would be kind of telling. Um, anyway, that's pretty cool. Like to see the anybody who says there's one or two types of classic decks. I mean, this is proof positive. A lot of them, you know, play in these events. Yeah, and I mean. There's, what do we have for the overall? We've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. We've got at least 14 categories for the overall 37 events. Yeah. I would be willing to bet that there are probably 25 distinct builds in all these decks. And by distinct, I mean like, 
workshop deck with Null Rod and a workshop deck with Metalworker play completely differently. And they should be considered two different decks. Agreed. It'd be like, um, an example would be Legacy. Uh, natural Order decks. Green, blue, and white play a lot differently than green, blue, red. And they are considered two different decks. Even though they share a core of, what, like 45 cards? Yep. Maybe less than that, but yeah. So, I mean, there's there's that to, to see about... It's not as diverse as Legacy. I won't make that argument. But it is far more diverse than people give it credit for. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could make that argument, but Classic has its own distinct uh, flavor to it. And, you know, seeing cards like Tinker and Demonic Tutor and stuff like that are, are a pretty big deal as far as the power level. I mean, you can... Classic, part of the thing that makes it so enchanting to me is the same thing that frustrates the hell out of me. It's like, you get a game in hand. I mean, you got this thing. And they have one more turn and they top deck Demonic Tutor. And you're like, oh, come on! Or, or Yogg Will or something like that, you know? Just wildly swingy power level. Yeah, and, I mean, there's uh, one of my friends and the client says it all the time. Classic is a game of inches. I agree. And when you're giving away Freak's top decks to the opponent, you're giving away feet, if not uh, if not at least half of a foot in terms of inches. Yeah. Yep. The, the top decks in Classic are just, they are insane. Agreed. So, uh, I think that's about it for this week. You want to wrap us up, Mr. Penguin? Yeah, so, I mean, here we are. Let us know how you liked uh the podcast in the forums or in the comments and uh, once again we'd like to thank puremtgo.com and mtgotraders.com for, for having us definitely and we haven't really decided what we're going to do with the guest going forward we will have some guests on but as far as the third host we haven't George and I are still talking about it amongst ourselves so we'll let you guys know as soon as uh, as soon as we decide more right George that's right um, oh and also we have pre-season two to look forward to and also Danger Linto's CQ open. open. Yep. Yep. So, so lots of fun there's times. There's going to be some content in the future. Yep, there will be. So uh, you guys stay tuned in and we're going to keep bringing some soap operas and uh, we'll see you all next week. Have a good one.